Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to our Pip Panther Rants, another Sports Rants podcast. Lot Harris, your host. Brought to you by the Sports Drink. It's the 21st. Um, happy early holidays to you guys. Excuse me, let me sip my coffee here. You know, the holidays are coming up. You know, down here in Houston, we're supposed to get a really big uh, wind chill. 16, 17 degrees, maybe a low of 9. Um, I just hope we don't have any uh, issues with frozen pipes and whatnot, because I hate that shit. You know. I hope we avoid whatever it is we dealt with, you know, back at, um, you know, back in when we had that uh, snowstorm in in 2021. God, that was almost two years ago. But uh, I guess on the plus side, the kids will be out of school, so that's not that big of a deal. In fact, let me go to weather real quick, because I'm probably going to have to... Yeah, I'll probably have to buy some shit for, uh, all right, let me take a look here. Yeah, weather right there. Let's see. Next hours, let's see, then tomorrow. Okay, what's the forecast for tomorrow? Okay, tomorrow it's going to be low of 18, high of 62, which makes absolutely no sense. Friday, 23, high of 35. I can deal with that. I mean, that's it's, it's, that's basically Pittsburgh weather for me. I mean, it's no big deal, but I don't know. Maybe this is getting overblown. I don't know. But, you know, I was my, my, you know, my kids complain about the cold, and, you know, I said, at least you guys got a car, get carpooled to school. We're out to take you to the school. Whereas I had to, um, I had to basically bundle up and go to the bus stop, which I, I told a funny story about that the other day. I talked about, um, how, um, you know, we had that blizzard in 94. I mean, we had two blizzards. We had the 93 blizzard. And I think we had a one in 94 as well. But what I remember vividly about the 94 one was that we were off for most that week. Pretty much almost all that week. And I just remember we the snow was still on the ground. And then we got freezing rain the next week. And I just remember trying to go to go to my friend's house so we can walk to the bus stop. And my 
mom was like, you might want to leave early because, you know, it's freezing rain. It's going to be hard to get down to that bus stop. So the yard that I usually cut through, which is one of my neighbors, I would walk through their driveway and up their stairs because, you know, it was on a hill. Well, I went to one, I took one, I stepped one foot in their driveway and I fell. And of course, you know, I had, I didn't have a backpack. I just had, you know, high school, I just, I was carrying a book. And then the, then the, uh, <laughs> then the, um, I got up and I, you know, dusted myself off and I tried to walk on the driveway again like an idiot and I fell again. And my mom is sitting there watching me from, from down below outside the door, you know, outside the door of the house. And she's like, yeah, you might want to try, you know, another, um, you might want to try another way, maybe go through the yard. It's like, okay, you just, you just see me fall twice. And it's obviously going to be next to impossible to get me to the bus, to get to the bus stop. But yeah, sure. So I walked through the yards and sure enough, I mean, given that you have freezing rain and you have all this on snow, Obviously, the snow is going to be um, ice as well. So I was basically holding on to my um, to the fence while trying to move my way to my friend's house. And eventually, I got up there, and and we pretty much ice skated the entire way down. Yeah, that may have been maybe that was ninety three. It was. I, I remember. I'm thinking back to this now. It may have been 93 because there was a blizzard. But I just remember it was here 92, 93. 90, I mean, we had a bunch of blizzards, I remember. It could be, it could have been 93. Because I remember I was in, I was in some business class in, in high school. And I remember it was, I only had it for the fall semester. But, you know, that semester ended in January. But, yeah, I slid down it, you know. We pretty much ice skated down the hill, you know, down this down down the hill to the bus stop, and of course the bus stop was down the street. I ended up having a uh, bruised hand, and I cut because you know I slipped and fell on concrete. Some people rode their backpacks down the down the streets. It was a mess. My sister, on the other hand, being you know, she waited till last minute, of course, and. Missed the bus. And my dad, being my dad, he had to take her to, you know, well, for, for, for starters, he, um, they were like getting to the stop and my dad had to get to work. And of course, my sister and her friend, my dad had to drop them down there. My dad's screaming like, you guys, you guys just had to fuck around, didn't you? Just had to fuck around. And of course, you know, he was pretty pissed off, you know, it was, and yeah, I mean, they missed the bus obviously because he tried to drive him down in you know, his four wheel vehicle. It's bad enough that my dad had to go to work. I mean, he had to be, be at his job. And if you get, you know, if you, if, you know, if he had to stop what he was doing because you couldn't do your, hold your end of the bargain, he was going to lay into you. Rightfully so. But yeah, 
but by God, I made you know. By, by God, I made to that that, to that bus and got to school. You know, I couldn't miss that day because you know it could have been life or death. But uh, speaking of all this, my, and my dad, um, I see there's there's been some deaths. That just one happened last week. One happened this week. Uh, Mike Leach passed away at sixty one. Mike Leach was a fun coach. Um, he was always on the Sean Salisbury show. Like Sean Salisbury would have him down here in Houston, and they would go from talking football to random, just random shit. Like I, what you know, early in their segment, I remember he was talking about quarterbacks and accuracy and how you really can't really teach accuracy. The quarterback either has to have it or, or he doesn't. And if he doesn't, you got to, you know, you got to scheme to, um, you know, that, you know, that helps them. And, you know, it went from that to talking about Taco Bell, what their favorite, what their favorite go-to items from Taco Bell were. That's pretty much what a Mike Leach conversation for the most part was. I mean, he, he was 61 when he died. Franco was 72. I mean, they were getting ready to honor Franco for this immaculate reception. And, you know, I was reading some of the tweets about how, you know, for instance, Colin Dunlap was sad that, you know, guys in their 70s wouldn't be able to make the game because of the frigid weather. I mean, my dad was at that game. He has season tickets. He he sold his tickets already. I mean, he wasn't going to go down for that. I mean, if you realize how many times the 70 Steelers have been honored in the last, I don't know, 20 years or so, maybe longer than that, 30 years, you know, missing this thing wasn't going to be that big of a deal. I mean, they, I mean, I was at that last game at Three Rivers Stadium. That was in 2000, and it it poured rain all day. It was miserable. I I remember some people that, um, that we were that you know we developed friendships with you know sitting in those seats. A lot of them left because they they got tired of the rain. they got sick of the rain. But and, you know, but you know, they reenacted the immaculate reception, you know, that day, and of course they had all the Steelers in the seventies, eighties, and even nineties. I just remember I just remember Eric Green was 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 announced introduced. And I just remember um, he left Pittsburgh kind of on a, I don't know if it was a bad note, but he just, you know, he had some parting words. And when he was introduced, when he was introduced, people were like, he's here? <laughs> What's he doing here? I mean, he was, he was a very talented tight end. I mean, he, I felt he could have been one of the best. I mean, he. He had some good. He had some really good years for the Steelers, but you know, what happened to him actually? Let's see. Now let's take a look at his Wikipedia. Let's see. Let's see. He um. He had, well for first for stars. He held out his rookie year with the Steelers. But he made an impact when he returned. But then the next year he 
He missed six games for violating the substance policy. It wasn't for steroids, obviously, but it was something else. But he violated drug policy. Then he had a Pro Bowl season in 93. If you remember that, it was 60, he caught 63 balls for 942 yards. And, of course, he held out in 94 as well. And, yeah, he was going after that year. And let's see here. Uh, he signed with Miami, but then he was released a year later. Mainly because of his mainly because of his weight pro- see weight problems and work ethic. Because yeah, he probably got his money and didn't care, and then injuries kept him out. You know, I mean, he caught, but in the end, he caught three hundred sixty-two ball, balls for four thousand three hundred ninety yards and thirty-six touchdowns. But if he would have kept it all together. He could have been one of the top, he could have been, you know, up there with Shannon Sharp. I mean, he was a really good, I mean, he was, when he was there, he was good. I mean, 90, I mean, 90, 90, he had 34 catches, 387 yards, 7 TDs. The next year, he had 41 catches, 5 or 8 yards, 6 TDs. And I remember he got injured and, um, yeah, he got hurt and then his, you know, it got shortened. Then the next year, the, the substance abuse issue. Then he had that one really good season in 93. 94, I think he, four, four, six, you know, his production did drop, actually. Four or six catches, 618 yards. And, of course, he went to Miami and had similar production, if not less. And, and Jimmy wasn't crazy about him. And that's pretty much what's going to happen to you, if you know. Was Jimmy Johnson a coach, though? That's what it said, though, I guess. Yeah, he went to Miami to, to, to bring back the Dolphins, of course. Yeah, they, um, yeah, they, you know, they lost to Jacksonville in that really bad game when they, lost, they gave up 63 points and pretty much ended, ended Jimmy's career and uh, Dan Marino's career. All right, let's get back to on topic, but... I just remember growing up. I'm, I'm 43 now, but I just remember, you know, growing up. I said that twice. Get to the point. Um, I just remember as a teenager growing up. You know, I, I remember 1992 was a 20th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception, and, and it was a big deal. It was actually a pretty big deal then because you got to realize in '92. That was, tw- I mean, that was 20 years ago. I mean, the 70s weren't that far off from, from what you thought at that point. I mean, they were still kind of, I mean, the 70s were still kind of fresh in some ways. And so that's why for most of the 90s, we always had the, the 70s, especially with the Steelers. The 70s drilled down our throats. You know, the 70s were, all, you, had to, you had to hear about how awesome the 70s were for the Steelers all the time. How great it was. They won games. You know how awesome things were, and and of course how booming you know Pittsburgh was at that time. It wasn't just downtown, but when the mills were up, still I mean you can go anywhere and shop. I mean you didn't have to go the freaking the malls or whatever. 
my parents would tell me stories about how, how they would go to East Liberty to shop. They would go to McKeesport to shop, Homestead to shop, because there were, there were stores, places to buy stuff. I mean, hell, I mean, every Easter, I would go to, every Easter, usually in the springtime, I would go to Revco, because Revco would have these monster sales on baseball cards. And, of course, none, none, of, them, none of them were worth dick in the end, but it was fun. But um, people do downplay the immaculate reception, and I totally understand it because we lost the next week. Or I shouldn't say we. I should say the Steelers lost because I'm not, I didn't play on the team. The Steelers lost the next week to Miami, which happened to finish 17-0. But I think the significance of that play, what made, what made it so great and an important part of history is that if you look at the history of the Steelers franchise at that time, it was really bad. And that game, you know, and, and the handful of times that they made the playoffs, they really, you know, they didn't do anything. You know, and you can say that game pretty much, you know, signified that, you know, that they could win, they could, they, they could win in this league. They could actually do something in this league for once. You know, that's one thing I can say that plays symbolize symbolize more than anything else. Was for all for all the mediocrity the Steelers went through, well, not mediocrity, they were just bad. It showed a that play showed a glimmer of hope that you know you know what that they that this franchise can win, and they did. They won. They ended up winning four Super Bowls in that decade. But it became, you know, that 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 became a, a hell of a standard to live up to. Because you know when Bill Cowher took over, they were they were winning games, but they just could never get it done in the playoffs. And you know, finally Bill did. And I mean, even I um even I lost was losing faith in Cowher, but then he you know they won. And then, you know, they won one more one more time in that decade with Tomlin. But yeah, the seven, I mean, the seventies did set a pretty big standard for you know the next coaches and the next generations of players to live up to live up to. But yeah, I mean, it's gonna be. I mean, I'm sure it's gonna be sad on Saturday to, to, to celebrate this without Franco. But he lived it. He, I mean, he played in the game. And of course, we've celebrated so many times. I mean, it's you know, it's something that Steeler fans do celebrate. I'm not sure if they do now, but back then it was something we celebrated. I mean, it was a, it was a, it was a big deal. I mean, it, it got talked about in barber shops and bars when that anniversary came up. But I do remember that when it was the 20th anniversary, it got talked about. I remember people just you know they talked about it because it was still fresh in people's memories. I mean, I think we forget that the 70s were like over 40 years. It was, I mean, 1970 was 52 years ago now. But, uh, yeah. Now, but back then it wasn't, it wasn't too far off. But, you know, football lost a, you know, a great college coach and, a, you know, and, and, a, and a football legend, not, not, you know, not so much NFL. Well, I don't mean to say not so much, but 
He was he was great in college and he was great in the NFL. Hall of Famer. All right, let's talk about pitch, shall we? Um, Penarduzzi obviously ran his mouth yesterday, like he always does. I mentioned that Drake May from North Carolina received offers of five million to go transfer, and naturally, people aren't you know people got upset over this. And Pat says this is getting out of control. People are assuming Pat means that the, the transfer portal and players asking for money is out of control, and it's really not that at all. What he means is the tampering is getting out of control. Pat has never had an issue with players making money off themselves. He supports it. But, uh, you know, people are going to take it any way they want to because that's just how it is. And... People are saying people want Pat to name, to name names. Well, ba- we basically I mean name, names were were named last year or earlier this year, and people laughed. So what 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 difference does it make? It makes absolutely no difference whatsoever because it's going to be the same old, same old. So I mean, it really doesn't matter if, if Pat names names. He's just saying that this you know. That's what's, what's going to happen, and you wonder if uh, college football becomes like Major League Baseball, where only a f- few teams will benefit or programs will benefit from this. But uh, Pitt had a bunch of decommitments and transfers, and, and Pitt seems to be rebounding. I mean, they've had a whole bunch of guys opt out for the bowl game. I mean, a lot, a lot of them are going to the you know, the draft, which happens. Pitt had a player recommit, which was kind of odd. Uh, yeah. Uh, what was his name? Zion Fowler decommitted, and then he recommitted. One of Pitt's decommits went to end up at Fordham, which was a lineman's. But uh, now, so far, now there's two receivers that were that transferred. And I believe one of them was uh, one player in particular was Jaden Bradley, and he put a um, he put a uh, thing on it on his uh, page about how he's grateful for every opportunity he's had and second chances, but he's. I guess hasn't found a home yet, and he's, you know, and these are just cautionary tales of, of guys who leave. Uh, sometimes where you go, you may not get the chance that you want, or you might not get a chance at all. So I'm not sure what the story is on how he left here, but, you know, I mean... I'm sure he's got plenty of offers, but I'm sure they're probably ones he doesn't want. But sometimes you—that's that may be all you get. I mean, there's—I mean, I, I read that there's a there's more guys in the portal this year than last year, and there's a chance that a lot of these guys aren't going to find homes.
I mean, Jalen Bard hasn't, you know, another receiver who left Pitt hasn't found a home yet either. And sometimes you just gotta go where the, you know, you know, what's what's you know, what's gonna be best for you. I mean, look at JT. I mean, JT JT um, JT Daniels is on his third school. He's at Rice. I think. I mean, if you're a quarterback who's who's played, you know. I mean, a guy like JT Daniels is going to, you know, no matter where he goes. I mean, he went to, he was at USC. He played at Georgia. And he played at West Virginia. Shit, he's on four teams now. Four teams. So, whatever, I hope, whatever, um, I hope it works out for him. But yeah, a lot of these guys aren't going to, aren't going to find places and, like I said, what gets I think what gets kind of lost in all this is the fact that uh, you know when you're an athlete, when you get a scholarship, you get an opportunity to get a college degree without having you know, and you you know, so you have something to fall back on if football doesn't work out for you, or basketball or whatever. And there's some guys that are leaving expecting to get some nil money, and it's not everybody's going to get, you know, six figures or whatnot. I mean, you got to take what you can get. And no matter where you go, there's going to be a too deep, no matter what. I mean, you're still going to have to put the work in. I mean, I understand why some players leave, whether it's because they're, they're, the coach that recruited them left or the head coach left or, you know, or, they, or, or just the program's a mess. I mean, there's reasons for it, but for some it's, you know, you have to weigh all your options. But, yeah. All right, so we touched on all that. Uh, what else? What else is happening? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Stuff that's going on in my personal life. Well, you know, work is work. But um, I've had an issue with a raccoon in my house. And, um, yeah, one night when I was sleeping, I'm thinking one of my neighbors has been feeding these raccoons, and when I was sleeping, well, first well, first off, from the beginning, I was, how it all started was, I was on my patio one night, and I'm just sitting there having my cigar, and this raccoon is, these raccoons normally climb out, or they're crawling along the fence, and this one jumps down, and he approached me on my porch. Well, actually, it's a she. It was a mother. It was a bigger one. And I was like, what the hell's going on? It approached me, and um, I got up naturally because, you know, you don't... One false move, and you don't know what's going to happen to you. And plus, raccoons carry rabies. And so I got up and got inside the house. And then there was two more of them with them. So one night I'm sleeping and I hear this noise in my by my fireplace. And I hear footsteps above me. Next morning I wake up, there's a hole in my roof. Luckily it was at the end of the end of the roof where the gutter is, so it's not as bad. But yeah, they dug into my 
it dug into my uh, house and luckily the way this house is set up it didn't get into my attic or anywhere else it got stuck in like this little crawl space where there's nothing there it's just a, a space it doesn't connect to anything and sure enough it was a mother and it was pregnant and it was trying to nest but I, um, luckily for me, I, I made its life miserable enough where it left. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't really good. I wasn't really a good neighbor. You know, I was noisy and whatnot, which was fun. It left naturally and never, you know, didn't come back. Well, it did actually. They were still, and I found how they got to my roof initially. There was a tree branch that was a really big branch that, it's kind of connected to my house, and so I had to grab a ladder naturally and saw and I saw the branch down because you know it was I couldn't really wait on a tree person to come do it. I did it, and then I trimmed all the branches, cut it all up. I was basically you know sealing off any any entry points that I could, but uh, they kept coming back. And they were just digging them through my yard at, the, at this point. And so I went and caught animal control and they set traps. And and fun and fun story about this. The guy who did my traps, he, Heinz Ward was his client. So Heinz Ward, Ward is living somewhere in Houston. He bought a house. So he's around. But getting back to the story here. Uh, initially starting off, I caught, I was catching possums because they like the same food as raccoons. Then one Sunday I woke up, I caught both my traps had skunks in them and I, I need to get these things out. It was a Sunday. So I went on, of course I went on YouTube and looked up how to release a skunk from a trap. Now the first skunk was like it was an adult. It was older, and and, and it seemed like it's been trapped before because it, it it seemed like it knew the routine, it knew the drill. So I released it. You know, I was able. To, I threw the blanket over the trap, and I had a rope, and I was able to loosen the door and use the rope to pull the to pull the trap open. So I was far away from it, and it scurried off. But the other um, trap wasn't as easy. The, you know, the way they, they had this trap set up, it was impossible to throw the blanket over it. And it was a younger raccoon, not a raccoon, skunk. And it was very, very easily frightened. I mean, one little step and it was lifted its tail. And, and of course... They were trapped and it rained all night, so I would think that it's probably cold and scared. And I had to, um, I was able to fish the rope, you know, to the trap. And then I, um, I pulled the rope so I could pull the trap out a little bit. I had to do it slowly. And then I just, uh, you know, I was able to get the door up. And um, I propped the door up with a flower pot. And then, uh, you know, the skunk sat there for a minute. 
but eventually left. But yeah, the possums were easy because the possums they don't do much. They they just growl. They just they just give you a, a dirty look like they're pissed off at you. But they don't, they won't do anything. Skunks are just frightened. They're scaredy cats. But yeah, I, I caught a skunk yesterday as well, and it was a young one, same ordeal. But luckily on this one, I just threw a, I threw a blanket over it, but I didn't release it right away. I I left for a few like for a half hour, so the skunk could at least calm down. Then I went and released it. But uh, I did catch two raccoons eventually because they came because I thought they left, but they came back. Uh, let's see. I heard because I heard them. I heard one making the, those noises it makes. So I look out. And I was like, "Oh, I caught one!" And then I see the other one scaring away from me because it must have saw me open, you know, open the blinds. It went to the other other trap where there was food there, and it got caught. And sure enough, it was the mother and and the kid. And you know, they were both asleep, and of course, the mother obviously was growling. At the guy, I guess, that went to pick it, you know, to pick it up, you know, to relocate him. And of course, when he went to relocate the mother, she actually hopped, she actually hopped back in the bed of his truck and she wouldn't leave. And of course, and then event, then it climbed in his engine underneath his truck. So he had to call for extra assistance. So I kind of felt bad about that, but. You know, I haven't heard anything since. I'm hoping I don't have to. I don't hear any more. But yeah, that's pretty much what you know. What's been going on with me, for the most part. Work, catching raccoons and whatnot, getting in Christmas shopping. But anyways, guys, you have an awesome holiday. If I don't, you know, do any more podcasts, for, you know, before the holiday. Uh, hell to pit. Go Steelers, rest in peace, Franco.